you're not even really going to school at that point. You are just learning how to do the job in like a safe, confined environment where there's room for mistakes. But then when the students leave, it's like, oh, I've already been doing this for the last two years. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So welcome to Learning Unboxed. This is your host, Annalise Corbin, and I'm very excited about our guests. We're going to be talking about music and the role of arts, music, technology in education. And I'm very excited about my guests today. Uh, with us are Dwight Heckelman, who is director at GrooveU, and we'll have him explain the awesomeness of, if nothing else, you know, having the opportunity to work in a place called Groove You because that can only be cool, right? There's no way that's not cool. And and joining Dwight and his 20 years of music industry experience is Nicholas Burgett. And I've known Nick for many years now in many different roles. <laughs> and so currently, uh, uh, Nick is an educational aide at Metro Early College High School, which for our listeners who have uh, been paying attention to the, the series, we've had many episodes that have made reference to Metro Early College because it's our in-residence partner. So we talk about them all the time. And Nick comes out of that. And through that experience um, as a student, as an intern working for IT and technology companies, but also uh, spent some time at Groove U. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So Dwight, let's start with you. So Groove U. Yes. What, what on earth is that? Because it sounds so awesome <laughs> and we all kind of might want to goes to such a place. Well, you can't all go. I'm not that big. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you could be. Uh, uh, GrooveU is a uh, post-secondary two-year music industry career program. So uh, our focus uh, is on music industry entrepreneurship. And we have uh, six areas of study, audio production, music business, live sound, video, interactive design. It's it's basically, uh, for lack of a better word, it's a trade school, uh, but it's a post-secondary trade school. But it's also a place that, that has the opportunity to interact in the K-12 space in some really intriguing and in interesting ways, which is exactly how we kind of got involved with, with GrooveU. So um, Metro, um, as again, we've talked about them a lot, um, and the learning centers, which is the early college experience that takes place there. And GrooveU is one of the options, which is how you guys involved Groove you, Nick, yes? Yeah. So back before I ever worked at Metro, I was a student there. I went there all four years for high school. And um, one of the teachers there approached me and was like, hey, we're trying to start this brand new learning center it's with this music college. Do you want to go? Because I know I can like trust you to like report back or tell us how <laughs> it's like. Is it good? Is it no good? Tell us about it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Because before that, I was going to do something about agriculture. And that's just not super in my field, but I thought it would be semi-interesting. So they said like music and technology. And I was like, yes, please. Mm -hmm. That sounds awesome. So yeah, it was me and the first group of students from Metro to start the, um, we called it Digital mm -hmm. Learning Center at mm -hmm. the time uh, with the partnership with GrooveU. And so we all did 
Most of us did one year there, and then some of us went back our senior year because we all did it junior year to do it again our senior year. And mm-hmm. so over the course of two years, overall completed the first year review student course. Right. And so Dwight, give us just a little bit of an overview then about how the program works as it relates in particular to the way you interact in that sort of K-12 piece of it. Sure. So in that piece of it, uh, basically the first year at Grooveview for all our students is the same, uh, regardless of their specialization. So they're going to get foundational courses in all the areas of study and audio production, music business, live sound, video, interactive design. Um, they're going to get some career courses mm-hmm. and some core business courses. And by Nick and his peers, they attend basically half time. So they complete in two years if they want to uh, one year at Grooveview, which is what mm-hmm. he did. Uh, Grooveview is very heavily lab-based, so we're right. about a four-to-one lab-to-class ratio. So, you know, uh, it's a lot, would be a lot for a high school student to bite off what is the equivalent of 22 credit hours that our full-time students take. So Nick was basically a, a normal full-time college student, <laughs> just not a normal full-time review college student. Right. And so so Nick, if you had to sort of distill the experience down into uh, you know, one or two core things that you think were the most valuable. You know, it you're you've you've been a bit and it certainly in the time that I have known you, I would say a bit of a renaissance, <laughs> right? In the sense that because you you have always been a bit fearless as it relates to, I'll try this, I'll try that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would imagine that because that's part of your nature, but also because of the way you've been able to sort of embody the experiences that you've had, you have some key takeaways. Mm -hmm. Not being late, being one of them. Yes, (laughs) mostly that. (laughs) (laughs) For our listeners, we had had a delayed start. (laughs) And uh, a very wise man in this room once told me that Early is on time, on time is late, and late is fired. So (laughs) as of today, I am now fired. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, big takeaways. Before I ever started at Grooveview, I had an appreciation for music, I suppose. But I remember one thing that really stuck with me is people were talking about all the different things that they liked, and they liked this, they liked that. And I was like, yeah, I'm into all of that. And one student told me, like, I think you don't know what you like yet Mm because you haven't heard enough. And I was like... Okay, yeah, that's fair. And so one thing totally like not even super connected to the education part was just like experimenting a bit more mm-hmm. with like music as a whole, but then gaining a much greater appreciation for it because I got to do every part of it. And so in my mind, I never really even thought about music other than, hey, there's that thing on the radio that's currently mm-hmm. playing that we've all heard a thousand times. But then through experiences at review, getting to be like a stagehand to set up an event I'm working alongside artists, doing recordings in the studio, uh, engineering sessions, uh, shooting music videos. We had to write our own songs, which I'm no good at. Um, (laughs) And so just getting to see like every single part there was. And again, that was like Dwight was saying, only in that first year. Mm -hmm. And so then it was after that where we could have like picked a specific thing like, all right, let's hone in a little bit. But over the course of two years and what for a Groovy student would have been one year, I got to see like every part of the entire music industry. And again, to me, it was just, there's that song again that we've all heard by that popular band. And now it's like, it's so much greater than that. And there's so much depth to it. And so really just having like a greater appreciation for music, not just being like that thing that plays in the background, but like this is an entire community that's really awesome and really diverse. And there's these people that are totally different, Mm -hmm. that were awesome friends because they had this bond that they shared that was like totally different. And so... I then also got my own niche of music that I now like too. So 
that was a plus. But yeah, just getting to see the whole industry was really cool. And I think that's the beauty of that sort of applied teaching and learning environment. And again, truly, truly the the beauty of what we certainly advocate for at the past foundation is you don't know what you don't know, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to be able to really not just have that sort of casual experience across a broad career set, but you really kind of need to dig in to know that I want to do this or I don't want to do this. And so <laughs> the program, Dwight, as you have set it up, was really intended to show folks the full array of the industry. Right. And I can't even necessarily take credit that I set it up because the way the program was developed was actually going to the industry first and saying, who do you hire and why? And what we learned through that process was the diversity has to sort of cross not just what you think you want to do, but the entire industry, as Nick sort of explained. So a lot of our students, for example, will come in and they'll be like, I want to do audio production because mm-hmm. it's it makes sense. You kind of get, they'll be sitting in front of a board and I'll be listening and I'll be turning switches. They see it on TV and they... they, I think I know what this is. I think I know what this is. And then, you know, only uh, about a third to a half of those students will actually go on to do audio production because they'll realize that like, oh, wow, I have this talent for video or Mm -hmm. wow, the money's really maybe for me and or the career path for me is in doing artist management or concert booking or maybe what I thought was audio production studio really is doing live sound in a you know in an install or a live sound environment. So yeah, that's that's kind of uh unique, I think, but I I I can't take credit for coming up with it. When we talk to employers, they're like, even if you know how to run the board, I want you to be able to read a contract. I mm-hmm. want you to be able to understand you might have to do a side hustle. And if you wanna if you want to work in the studio, you might have to work live sound on the weekends and or you might have to shoot video. So having that really holistic understanding of the all the pieces is I think maybe a little unique and sets us apart. And I think that it applies to, you know, the sort of thinking about training experience opportunity across any industry, right? That right. The, the way that you sort of process and set up the program as it relates to group literally could be applied across a broad array of opportunities. Mm-hmm. So if you're a small community out there in rural America and you're like, God, this review thing sounds really, really awesome, but we don't have that. Right. We could make that out of what we do have, which yeah. may be a completely different industry, utilizing sort right. of the same approaches. Yeah, and I think you know maybe Nick can can speak to that a little bit. You know, you know from an IT perspective, right. you know what is what is people think they know what IT is, but then you get into IT and you're <laughs> like, well, it's really this really broad field, and it doesn't just involve me sitting at a computer coding all day. But it does involve people complaining about their IT, all day, right? <laughs> and whether or not they turned it off and turned it back on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's a whole another conversation. That's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but but Nick, talk a little bit for, to, with us about the experience um, from the student perspective, because one of the things that I, I think that people forget when they set up these sort of innovative programs that involved a, a, an element of career exploration and experiences, they forget about the autonomous nature of the student that's mm-hmm. so critically important. And, and certainly your K-12 experience, not necessarily traditional, and it, it gave you the freedom to be very independent in that space. Talk about that a little bit because that is not the norm. Most folks have an expectation that you are not ready to do X, Y, or Z, but yet Mm. you are. And I would argue most students actually are. Yeah. So one point that Dwight made that was huge was thinking, you know, and then getting there and it being totally different. Because I remember sitting down with one of our advisors. I was like, so I want to do graphic design. That's that's what I'm going to do. 
She's like, well, you know, we could look at other things. And I was like, nope, pretty sure that's what I want. And I got to Groupview and I was like, graphic design, that's probably going to be marketing. Mm-hmm. But being able to take off the classes and realizing, whoa, video production is really cool. And that's still being a thing that I like took with me. But in terms of like autonomy, it was the amount of responsibility given to us tied with the amount of privilege mm-hmm. was like right. uncalled for, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where we would start our day at Metro and then one of the teachers would check in and say, all right, see you guys this afternoon. Yeah. And then at that point, it was up to us to go get in a car, or get in a bus, to get ourselves over to Groupview. And there was no one checking us along the way at checkpoints yeah. like, hey, are you on your way? It's just, they're going to trust us to get to class on time. Right. So we did because that's what you do. And we wanted to be there, mm-hmm. especially because with a lot of the, the other students there, the Groupview students, mm-hmm. they're kind of used to this being school. But for us, like, you know, I go in in the morning and I sit in American history or mm-hmm. geometry. And then I'm like, oh, now I get to go to Groove exactly. and play with all the fun technology. <laughs> and so we'll be sitting talking about some assignment and their students, not that they're ungrateful. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we got to do this and that's going to be hard. And we're like, are you guys kidding? This is so much fun. I'm not even in school right now. Um, and then getting to do that alongside college students who aren't mm-hmm. treating us any differently, mm-hmm. just for high schoolers who are here ready to make a product happen. And then again, at the end of the day, the expectation being we get ourselves back to school because that's where we ought to be. And so there was really no handholding. Dwight never sat us down and was like, okay, guys, let me dumb this assignment down Mm -hmm. for you because I know you're not used to this and not ready yet. It was anything they were doing, we were doing. Right. And it was almost to the point where you couldn't tell we were high school students other than the fact that they told them we were high school students, but (laughs) just getting to do everything that they were doing, including like going out and even like in terms of the groove you structure, I'm saying like, okay, guys, you need to shoot a music video. Mm-hmm. Go. Class is over in an hour and a half. <laughs> and we could just get in a car, go downtown somewhere, find a cool mural on the side of a building and just shoot and just go. And then they're expecting when you come back at the end of the week, you've got a product ready. Right. And it's not totally like you're on your own, figure it out. Like anytime we'd ask questions, they'd have, they would have answers. The expectation is if you're not asking a question, you're going out there and you're getting it done. Mm -hmm. So we all did because that's what we were there to do. And we were all excited to do it. So, yeah, really, it was there was not a lot of the time where there's someone like sitting over Mm -hmm. your shoulder like, hey, are you doing this right? Unless you were asking them to. Right. You just kind of went and did. <laughs> well, and that's why it works. Yeah. And one of our alumni maybe encapsulated a little bit of this to your earlier point. He says that uh, I tell my students, here's a candle, go find a match. Right. And Perfect. so, you know, here's the tool. Yeah. You have to go own it and find the inspiration and work it and deliver the output. So I think that's a pretty good encapsulation, maybe. Nick yeah, will agree. That's what I said in less words. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that that sort of speaks to the notion of sort of where and how we set expectations, right? And, and so certainly on this program, we have a lot of conversation around why the system of education, whether you're talking K-12, post-secondary, career mm-hmm. trade, even workforce, right? Why it does not work. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, it does not work. Right. And oftentimes, when you really sort of pull the pieces apart, what you find is the things that aren't working are based on the fact that our expectations are way too low. Right. 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 That we we have an expectation that because you are a high school kid, you cannot yeah. Yeah. or you won't. Right. 
And that's just not the case at all. You know, and 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 what you you were saying, Nick, is something that I hear over and over again from our students who have the opportunity to be part of these amazing experiences is it's a privilege to be there and it's just so incredibly awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, as we think about sort of where and how those boundaries, uh, you know, I was saying earlier, it works because nobody thought you couldn't. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a pretty powerful thing. Right. And it also has to do with just do it. Mm-hmm. Like it's about process, not product. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, you're a student. We don't expect you to get it right the first time or the second time, but you will get it right mm-hmm. if you do the process. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's maybe sorely lacking in a lot of um, the institutional education is this is the theory behind it. Here's one small opportunity to demonstrate it versus like, we're not even really going to get into the theory. Just go do it. Then we'll explain the theory and mm-hmm. go do it again. And we'll give you some more theory to help you figure mm-hmm. that out. So it's mm-hmm. kind of shifts that paradigm. Yeah. Again, that's a applied that applied learning opportunity that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So Nick, as you sort of think about then what that experience means, how how would you best translate that to somebody else? So as, as more students come through and think about the opportunity, whether it be at Groovey or other places, why opt-in? Yeah, so I think a lot of people, and I heard this a lot from the people I was at Groovey with, who really want to pursue a career in music business or any side of music industry determine school's not for me. Mm-hmm. I got to figure this out. And I think that's really a shame that there's a lot of industries like that when, you know, when you're thinking about mm-hmm. your like general college GEs, you're not going to see one there for plumbing and construction. You're going right. to see English comp and, you know, algebra one, mm-hmm. which we need that. And that makes sense. But so many students then they only see that. So they say, well, if I want to do doesn't fit that mold, then that just means I can't do school or I don't want to do school. I don't have the patience to wait two years yeah. and a half years to get to what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's like the really cool thing about GrooveView is you'll also never hear a student like raise their hand and say, when are we ever going to use this? Right. <laughs> because you do. <laughs> and it's never like super intangible. It's like, all right, here's how you plug this microphone in and here's how you coil this cable. This knob does this. This button does that. And so when you go actually do it, it's not like, you know, you sit there and you do your homework and then you go do the test and try right. to figure out how it changes. Just, oh, I have literally done this already. And the only difference is now we're quote unquote professional and not school anymore. But it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so you're not even really going to school at that point. You are just learning how to do the job mm-hmm. in like a safe, confined environment where there's room for mistakes. But then when the students leave, it's like, oh, I've already been doing this for the last mm-hmm. two years. Mm-hmm. It transfers over completely and extremely smoothly. And on a micro level, that's the outcome is that we give our students two years work experience before they go to work, Mm -hmm. not two years of education. That's just kind of there. So you're kind of really sort of merging and blending that notion of work-based learning, which is all the rage right now, I might point out, right? Everybody's talking about, but the reality of it is your program is, it's it's just an embedded part of the everyday. Yeah, it's, we tell our students, your career doesn't start two years from now, it started the first day of class. Mm -hmm. So, well, I mean, we have our, we have a time clock up front. Our students clock in and clock out every day, you Mm -hmm. know? Interesting. Uh, They come to our building, our new campus in particular, and 
it doesn't look like school. It looks like you're going to mm-hmm. work. There's mm-hmm. a little lounge, a very small lounge, and the rest of the building is set up for recording and right. work. Right. So it, it, that whole that whole uh, viewpoint of like, they know they're coming to work. They know we notice when they're late. We look at their time cards every week. How many hours did you spend here this week? Is, is just, you know, get in that mindset uh, early on and realize that by the time you leave here, you're just basically looking for your next job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you already have a job. Been working for two years, so now it's time to take. Instead of like, oh, I guess now three months from graduation, I guess I should start thinking about work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're thinking about that pretty much every day mm-hmm. that you're at Grooveview, right, right? And while it is structured, it's not super bogged down to the point of, oh, I want to learn how to record guitar. Well, we're not doing that in class right now, so <laughs> I can't help you. Right. It's like you will see students there for hours after class is ended because they know they can use the space and there will be someone there. And it's like, oh, we haven't gone over this in class yet, but yeah, if you want to know, let me show you how to do that because we want you to be a professional who's capable of lots of things. Like you said, it's not just, I know how to run a soundboard. I know how to read and write a contract and I know how to like um, do management and different things. And so it's not like there is a structure, but it's not like super, we only do this right now. If you want to learn how to do this, stick around till next month. (laughs) It's like, there will always be somewhere someone somewhere to show you how do I do that next thing. So this is an industry partner truly being on a journey Mm -hmm. with you as Mm -hmm. the participant. And I I think that that's one of the key differences. And as folks think about what could innovative learning work-based sort of programming look like, that's, I assume, a key component of that. And I think just to sort of take that one step further, we don't view our campus as this building. We view our campus as the city of Columbus. Right. And, you know, every month that our students are in class, they are doing a project with a community partner, be it a business. I mean, our students, you know, they have their own stage at Columbus Arts Festival where they run, manage, book it their stage we've we did the breakaway, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the big EDM festival. Uh we've brought in Columbus Steel Drum Band to record, you know. Uh, so it, it's the idea of they're out every month interfacing with industry people. So when they go to do their internships, which w- we have two pretty extensive ones as a part of a two-year program, they already have those relationships. They already have those connections. They've already been able to demonstrate on some level they can do these things. And we get real-time feedback from those employers about, well, you had your students do this, but maybe don't have them do that anymore. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll change that. Tomorrow, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll train that piece of gear. We'll 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 change that approach to how we're doing our education because you know those are the boots on the ground. We're not in some silo uh, dictating. Well, this is what we think you should know. We're we're really looking to our students to be active participants in their learning. Mm-hmm. And and what does the what does the next conversation look like? Because as more and more K twelve folks start to wrestle with. K-12, right? right. And what exactly is that thing? You know, mm-hmm. can we get it to 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 morph, to change, to go away, to reevaluate itself? Or, you know, take take your pick depending mm-hmm. on your lens and your point of view. But what does that conversation look like? I mean, how how is what's happening at Grooveview more mainstream in our public experience of finding our way towards work? I think, at least from our perspective, and I can't speak to to how everyone uh, is going to approach this, but from ours, it's, of course, you know, it's very Mm outcomes-based. But the outcome isn't uh, even necessarily the, the credentialed education. The outcome is what are employers asking for? 
Uh, every every month, my staff and I sit down with advisory panels, and, and every month, and they're in these various specializations, and we ask them, "Who are you hiring, and why?" Not now, but two years from now. And they take those things and they tell us and we hear these things and we then parlay those into course outcomes. And, you know, they can change pretty quickly. So Mm -hmm. I like to use the example of about four years ago, we were having our video one and we were sitting there. Always the same question. Who are you hiring and why? What skills do you need? Hard skills, soft skills, whatever the case might be. And they said, one of the questions we ask is, how's your workload changed from the last time we met, from this year to last year? And they go, uh, drone pilots. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. And we yeah. go, oh. <laughs> and like, so something that was like 1% of the video class became 20% of the video class. And we literally bought a drone the next day. Mm. And our instructor was already certified. And they were out there learning drone piloting. Because by the time they graduate, I mean, they're going to need that. And we don't have to go through some massive you know, a board of regents to accrediting sure, body to right. back up, to back down, to revise this. We just change it. Mm-hmm. Like that's the industry we work in. It changes that fast. And so do a lot of industries, but they they lag because of, you know, the, all the, all the, the, the non-streamlined approach to, to changing curriculum. Mm-hmm. And, and we heard it right from the people who, that we want to have our students work for. Like, I don't know what other vetting I need. You want drone pilots? That's something we can help supply. <laughs> Simple. (laughs) And now the good news is that's changing Mm -hmm. broadly, right? The more traditional education is recognizing that it is, wow, yeah, there's so many words we could use. Just, we'll we'll go slow. Yeah. You know, in terms of its adaptability, system and structure wise, to Mm -hmm. your point, it's just not set up to do that. Mm -hmm. And yet those systems are recognizing and trying to figure out how to be. Um, faster on the adapting side of that. And, you know, the, the, the system likes credentialing. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is, which is, and I'm not down on credentialing. I mean, I want my brain surgeon to say, University of Harvard School of Neuroscience. Mm-hmm. That looks really good for me. I, <laughs> I want to see University of Bahamas correspondence course in the brain, right? <laughs> um, but in some industries like ours, like credentials, they the formalized credentials mm-hmm. carry nothing. They right. don't, mm-hmm. they're not even a foot in the door. Nobody really cares. So if we can shake off a lot of the conventions that revolve around has to be this formal credential, uh, things start to look really interesting if you're just delivering what the industries are asking for. Mm-hmm. And Nick, how do you how do you bring that back? I mean, let's let's take this full circle. So you are now back at Metro as part of the faculty and staff. Mm-hmm. And the experience at Grooveview, and you were also a student at Columbus State. And you know, um, again, back to the sort of Renaissance approach, really have taken that opportunity, um, both from a work and learning environment, to to try lots of things along the way. So how does that translate? back now you're you're in that space where you're actually working directly with students trying to move through the same sorts of systems that you work through so what does that look like for you now yeah so that is that's an intriguing circle right <laughs> it it's is truly really an intriguing circle <laughs> it's funny because people that i used to call like mr this and miss that mm-hmm. are now like stop calling me that call me by my first name yeah. because now we work together and it's like oh yeah right that's super weird <laughs> But it's true. Like Dwight made a good point that the credentials, especially in this field, are not huge. Mm-hmm. Like I work in the school at this point, but I also do freelance video on the side and I do not have a degree in anything video related. Right. But I know how to do the stuff because somebody taught me and I know people that need it and they say, oh, you can do it. Let's do it then. Mm-hmm. And so I think so many students, like I have my students now 
who are there in middle school mm-hmm. and are sitting and thinking like, oh, I'm stressing out. I got to figure out all this stuff. I got to know exactly what I'm doing in the next five years. And I'm going to have to be in school for the next 20 years to get this degree and this thing. And like, I have a student who really loves American history, but he's thinking, oh, I can't go stay in school long enough to get a master's to like teach this topic. Or actually, he didn't even get that far until someone suggested it. In his mind, he's like, oh, well, I like this, but that doesn't fit anywhere other than learning. And so I'll go work in my parents' tow yard mm-hmm. because all I can do is learn this content. But then trying to tell him like, no, this is a job that you can have. And that looks like a lot of different things. And one thing I then suggested was like, you could teach it. But mm-hmm. even that is not the bottom line. You could work for a museum. You could be a researcher. Right. Like, uh, there's, you know, there's learning American history and, you know, you could write books about American history. You could go yeah. on talk shows. You could be an, you could be regarded as an expert in what you do. Right. right. And so <laughs> I think so many students just have this assumption of what education mm-hmm. is supposed to be. Right. And it's that I go to school until I finish in high school. And at that point... I know a whole lot about math and science and I can write a paper in MLA and then I go to college and somehow now I have to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. Right. And so we focus a lot at Metro on like advancement and what's next. And mm-hmm. so we have middle schoolers thinking about high school. We have high schoolers thinking about college before they ever get there. But now I've got middle schoolers who are thinking, I have no idea what I want to do for a living mm-hmm. and I have to figure that out right now. It's like, well, not yet, but... Also, it's just, we kind of hang them out to dry. I feel like once they get to the end of high school and they're like, okay, well now I have to pick something and I don't know what it is. So I guess I'll be a marine biologist. I've heard that so many times I, because of biology classes. I hope one thing that Nick got from being review that we, we try and impress is, especially in this field, but it can apply a lot of things can take this approach that creative Creativity isn't something you do. It Mm. is something you are. It doesn't refer to your output. It refers to your approach, right? So, you know, people make something, they make music or they they make something interesting and people, mom and dad and grandma go, oh, you're so creative. We're talking about output. Mm -hmm. If you are a creative, right, then you're bringing that bend to your business and to your career and to your artistry and to everything that you do. So I hope that that's something that that Nick <laughs> took away as he looks into being an educator now is that, hey, creativity isn't about output. It's about approach. Right. And so then we have all these students with all of this currently going through their minds and me trying to think, what can I do to be helpful mm-hmm. here? So with all of that, I then just kind of, because they're thinking about all these different moving parts that I'm currently talking about. And it becomes a really complex dilemma in the mind, especially of a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of stop and I say, okay, what do you like to do? And some <laughs> of them don't know yet. And I say, mm-hmm. that's fine. But some of them think, oh, you're an educator. I have to say, well, I like, uh, I like the English class. I'm like, no, it's not what I mean. What do you like to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then like going back to that example of that student who really likes American history, it's like, like Dwight said, it's like there is a career we can make out of that. What you enjoy and what your passion is does not have to become your hobby. Because mm-hmm. I think we right. get stuck in like core content classes and that's what our jobs become. And that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. But it's, there's so much more than that. Like so many of these creatives you're talking about, they could have become an accountant and playing music was their hobby. Right. But trying to steer them in the direction of like that can happen. But then where we get caught again is we need a place to foster that 
thankfully for music, we have a spot like Grooveview. Right. And we need, we need to separate the hobbyists from the pros, which is yeah. something that Grooveview takes pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other side of it is it should be some people's hobby because at least being in music is a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for <know>? sure, yes. <laughs> you're, you're committing to a life. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to commit to a lifestyle to be a banker or a accountant. Right. Like you can, that's just your job and it's not part of your life. But, you know, we we're talking before we got here that musicians get started about 1.30 in the morning and, mm-hmm. you know, we run on five or six hours of sleep and that pays through the industry as well. So uh, there is there is value in separating the professional from the hobbyist. And sometimes mm-hmm. college really needs to take that and, and K-12 needs to take that seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, I really want the t-shirt, right? I want, mm-hmm. I, I want the one that says, stop asking kids what they want to be when yeah. they grow up, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And instead, we, you know, let, back to your point is we could get everybody to find their passion. Yeah, to right. live that passion mm-hmm. right in their work in their day to day life, at least using that to help them make decisions. Right. Right? We we don't all end up getting to do that thing that we're so passionate about, but the reality of it is, asking kids, um, you know, so early on, what do you mm-hmm. want to be when you grow up? Puts them in a box, yeah, right, mm-hmm. from the get go, and asking them to make decisions about it as high school juniors when they also have to ask permission to use the bathroom, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I want you to make this biggest financial commitment of your life. It's $250,000 or more. <laughs> also raise your hand and ask to use the restroom. Like, well, what, right. what, what incredible, odd pressure, you know, to mm-hmm. expect them to have it figured out. We, we got to give them more runway. Well, right. that just comes back to that artificial boundary, right? Again, right. it's those sets of expectations. They're just... Everything is so out of whack. Mm-hmm. You know, I think at the end of the day, when I think about the work that I'm engaged in and the conversations that I'm having, you know, all over the planet, oftentimes it comes back to repeatedly over and over again. Really, why is that the expectation? You right. know, high school graduation, yeah. we talk about that all the time. Right. Great. It's an aspiration, but why is that the penultimate? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. that is bizarre to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> But but why is yeah. that the thing we're measuring when there's so many other great opportunities right. out there and yet we're still stuck in that in the right. same way that we're stuck in a progression that we have to take algebra and then geometry and then and yeah. you know that we don't step back and say how about we learn all the things we need right. to know as we're actually doing something or, or or tell the student you know the high school senior that well you know go to college and figure it out right, right. yeah like wait wait like that's a really expensive experiment. <laughs> like if you give me a hundred thousand dollars and don't send me to college, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Right? Why, why do you have to spend all this money to figure it out? We we uh, I just coming back to that give the student more runway mm-hmm. to 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 find that passion and that enthusiasm and what they want to do instead of I think we're way too delayed as a society. I think we're yeah. weird as Westerners to say like just go to college and you'll figure it out. Like I remember yeah. that being like that's really hard. <laughs> and I like that specific wording too. If it's delayed, because then you're mm-hmm. talking about about how high school becomes the standard. It's like, okay, fine. But then let's bring everything to that. Because mm-hmm. when school exactly. branches out and you can do all the different things is in college. Because mm-hmm. in high school, you're still following all the state curriculum. Yep. And like my passion, I've discovered is I really love shooting video. And I learned that while at Grooveview. Mm-hmm. And people are asking me what I want to do. And it's like, I never <laughs> had the opportunity to right. figure out that I love to do this. Mm-hmm. So then why is high school the standard? Because I didn't know that. (laughs) That, And I guess that's my point, right? You know, as you step back and think about it, let's just rethink the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Let's just 
Let's unpack it. Let's get it out of the box. Get it off the shelf. Let's mm-hmm. toss it, right? right? And and think about something else. So as folks are sitting back wherever they are, contemplating what they've been listening to do mm-hmm. uh, today, what what is the what's the one thing that you think folks should know, Nick? As you know, I'm I'm in my community. I want to change the experience for my students. Mm-hmm. What what what's your what's your lob to folks as they start down a new journey? Yeah, I would say don't be afraid to add new things and try new things. Because I think we often tell students, don't be afraid to try something new. But I don't think we then look at ourselves and say the same thing. So like at Metro, for example, we have a class on coding Mm -hmm. on code.org. And I have students who are there that are kind of stuck in that box. And they're like, why are we doing this? I need to get to my next math class. It's like, well, someone here could become the next great coder who makes something awesome. And they would have never known they wanted to do that unless we mm-hmm. brought it to them. Mm-hmm. So I think wherever available, not being afraid to like, okay, we've got this box, which is a necessary box. That is our basis for education the way it is right now. But we shouldn't be afraid to add to that. Mm. For like that coding example, that's not something you'd expect to see in a middle school, but there could be a kid and that's where their passion lies. Mm-hmm. So let's add that in there. And then also really making an effort as educators to try our best to really hear the students. Because I think especially in like middle school, it's easier for me to say, well, you're 12. What do you know at this point? A lot, it turns out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so being willing to hear them too. Mm Because like at Groovyu, they're going to sit there and they're going to listen to people and say, we need drones and say, okay. But I should be willing to listen to my students also. And if they're like, we think it would make sense for us to know how to balance a checkbook, I would say, okay. Now, I'm not in a position to do that myself, but creating such a setup. No balance your checkbook? (laughs) No, I mean, (laughs) I balance my checkbook all the time. I'm saying I'm not in a position where I could add that for a student. (laughs) But if we could make such a way, and I don't have the brilliant one-liner that everyone's going to go, ah, yes, excellent, let's change everything, and then I'll get my plaque made. But not being afraid of change, which I think is so normal that we're all terrified of it, but looking at what we've got and thinking or thinking, okay, what can we add here for the sake of these people that need to figure out what they want to do with themselves? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense and answers the question. Mm-hmm. Dwight, what's, what's your, what's your lob? I think my lob is to have the conversation that education is not one size fits all. Yeah. From <laughs> K through 12, mm-hmm. right? That the way the system is is constructed, well, from K through master's degree. I guess <laughs> if you really want to go that way. Right. Uh, we say PK-16. Yeah, there you go, right? <laughs> so uh, the idea here is, is that everybody views their path through education as very linear. We're mm-hmm. going to go meet these state expectations from K through 12, we're going to go to college, we're going to meet some type of expectation to achieve a degree, and then maybe we need some other credential attached to that at some point. That's just, that's not how the world functions. It's mm-hmm. it's a construct of our own design, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, you know, I worked in the music industry for 20 years and nobody ever asked to see my diploma. Right. Yeah, <laughs> not right. once. Like I could have said I went anywhere. I could have I could have said I followed this very route that no, nobody cared. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was all about who I knew and what I could do and, you know, what type of person I was to work with. I mean, all these things that are sort of ignored in lieu of follow the path, stay the course. Mm-hmm. This is this is our expectation of you is that you go K-12 and then you go to college. And like, yeah, if we can start having that conversation and shifting 
that conversation. Like, well, wait a minute. Really? <laughs> I mean, really? That really mm-hmm. is how it's supposed to go? Then I think we're making progress because more people have this conversation about, well, I went, to, we talk to people all the time. I went to college and I never used my degree. Right. Like, okay. So you see the problem, right? <laughs> you see that you paid a lot of money for things that aren't, aren't really panning out for you. What would you have rather done? Right. I think it's funny that when you're saying no one asked to see where you went, but now if I tell them where it went, it won't matter because I say groove you and no one knows. They're like, that's not a thing. And I'm like, no, let me tell you about it. It's actually really cool. And they're like, okay, where else? And I say Columbus State. And they're like, for video? And I say, yeah. So at the end of the day, it it really didn't matter where I ended up because I learned a lot from both and now I can do the thing. (laughs) But groove you is a cool thing. It's an awesome thing. I'll just throw in my own personal plug that of all the years I've been in school, I've dreaded most of it. But my years at Grooveview were the best that I've had in what I barely can consider school just because it was awesome. Well, on that note, then, uh, gentlemen, thank you thank very, you. Thank very you. much for all the time. And uh, we truly appreciate it. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.